Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Campfires and Escalations. First of all, thank you all for joining us. Uh, to sum us up, we're a group of friends that have been gaming together on and off for the last three or four years, and we've been really eager to put together a podcast, so we're doing it. So please bear with us as we learn about the recording and editing processes, and we'll do our best to improve as we move forward. Uh, if I could go ahead and have everyone introduce themselves. Uh, hi, I'm Jess, and I play Mara. Hello, I'm Anthony, and I play Val Karras. And I'm Tyler. I'll be playing Skamos. And I'm Jake. I'll be DMing today's game. Uh, what we're running is a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition homebrew, and this is a real play podcast. Since we are a fairly new podcast, let's go ahead and explain ourselves a little bit. Uh, why is it that we call ourselves Campfire on Escalations? Well, as you've heard, we've been doing this for a very long time, and two of the things that have sort of become a theme amongst our group are the moments that our characters have around campfires, typically just any time we have time to sit the hell down, take a nap relax, and the constantly escalating scale of stories and situations. And thus, that's Campfire and Escalations in a nutshell. We'll all tell it our own ways, but the end result is simple. We, as players, spend our time immersing ourselves in the world around the campfire. And, to be perfectly frank, just about every game that we've ever run escalates quite wildly. So, with introductions out of the way and ourselves fairly explained, I think that we can go ahead and move on into today's campaign. We find ourselves 80 or so years after the founding of a new nation, a kingdom made in lands uncharted and by a people hardened under the tyranny of cruel lords left behind. Nearing the end of his years, King Audric Borstedt rules over his life's work with the aid of his court, the Crowns, who each oversee and manage some portion or aspect of the kingdom. Within the King's Land, there are four of these crowns. The Azure Crown, which oversees the southern territory of the Gale Coast, flooded with merchants and spotted with wild islands. The Green Crown, to the east, which manages the bewitched forest of the Teefwood, the Stone Crown, handling various bureaucratic affairs across the kingdom. And lastly, the High Crown, belonging to King Audric himself and marking his direct rule over the Central Territories. Our story takes place in the Teefwood, on the easternmost border at a fort named Clash Keep. With walls cut of ancient stone and wrapped in vine, Clash Keep is set deep into the mountains, and stands as the territory's seat of power, guarding the only known path further east to the trade cities. It is here that the Green Crown, Lord Werner, calls on debts old and new for a delicate task. In Lord Werner's manor, set above the keep, we find our characters in a resplendent but simple dining hall with many lacquered woods, tables, and a singular central pit. A golden-eyed woman in guard's attire, a man decorated with colorful sashes, and another woman with pale hair and a weary expression 
sit around the one table set. With two feet on the table and idly pulling a loaf of bread apart with his hands sits Skamos Ferdinand, a 27-year-old something tiefling bard. This bard's journey began in alleys, stealing to survive with his older sister, Flory, with nothing but one each other, a shack, and their lone family heirloom. A certain, carrying the initials of all its previous players. Last name changed a few times. Don't know why. Even as a child, Skamos's skill with the Citern would attract crowds from whom coins were thrown and from whom wallets were stolen. Hard life. As he aged, became a more upstanding minstrel until someone stole his goddamned Citern. To chase the thief, Skamos missed a scheduled performance that, unbeknownst to him, was attended by the three prince brothers. They did not like this. At all. Failing to find the thief, Skamos wandered through the thief woods, lost and scorned from each establishment he frequented. Eventually, Skamos was found and, graciously, taken in by Lord Werner's men. Today, he works to settle his debt with Lord Werner, but his stolen fucking sitter never leaves his mind. Valkaris, a 50-year-old drow warlock, steps into the room and goes to sit at the end of the table, being sure to be as far away from the main seat as possible, acknowledging herself as a commoner. Val's parents were followers of the Moon Dancer, a practice deemed, to an extent, heretical by their community within the Underdark. When her family's patronage was discovered, Val's family fled to Clashkeep, where they were granted asylum by Lord Werner and spared from near certain extermination. In Clashkeep, Val learned to undercut others' perceptions of drow by appearing meek, soft, and unremarkable, all the while wearing her true power plainly on her hand, an ivory ring. While of little value and meaning to some, it serves as a connection between her and the moon dancer. Despite this connection, her power, and the perilous circumstances that brought her to Clashkeep, Val's life has been largely unremarkable, and more importantly, safe. But now, Lord Werner calls Val up from that safety to finally settle her family's debt. All right. Tamara Astor, a 22-year-old human fighter, dutifully eats the ration of soup and bread provided for her and stares around the room with a practiced apathy. As an Astor from the mountain town of Taruna, she has the same gold eyes, fair skin, and light brown hair as her four older brothers and her father, but not their soldier's stature or stockiness. Still, growing up as the daughter of Taruna's captain of the guard, at a young age she chose rapier and whip over dolls and dresses, so she could join her brothers as they sparred with swords. With her practice quickness and innate grit, as a young teen she joined her brothers under her father's command to faithfully protect Taruna's people and their town's unique commodity. But that was many years ago. Her father, Captain Daryl Astor, has long since been disgraced and disposed, Mara's talents as a soldier are now in the service of Lord Werner, and how any of this came to be, she'd rather not explain. After not but five minutes of you lot resting and recuperating from what travels you did make to get here, a simple handmaiden dressed in fair linens comes about, collects your plates, and instructs the lot of you oh, that... Oh, my soup. Oh. Yes, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, the Lord will be here shortly. Oh. Thank you you need to present yourself. 
reminds me of a friend who got high and was crying because the waiter took his grits. <laughs> <laughs> she ducks out of a side door. One of the servants passages. And I pulled the bread from my sleeve. <laughs> sure enough, not long after, you can hear the clamor of footsteps from one of the greater halls as it is approaching. A solid as there must be a full throng of people, likely Lord Werner and all of his advisors. Something must have happened. As of yet, you are unsure as to what. But shortly enough, he himself opens the great doors to the hall. And as he strides in towards the head of a table, taking his place just behind his seat, firmly grasping the head of the chair in either hand. He scours the room, eyeing you each over. Once, twice, then again. He gestures, beckons, really, that the further two, Skemos and Val, move closer to the head of the table, closer to where Mara is sitting. He moves over to take the seat next to Mara, pulls the chair back and sits down. Well, I'm glad to see each of you has made it. I each have the wit and honor to come when your lord beckons. I take my hat off as I sit down, which takes a good 30 seconds. Ah, yes, the horns. Just, mm. A little bit of a jiggle, you get it off with a little bit of a flourish. A pleasure to see you again, Lord Werner. Likewise. I did hope to see you perform one of these days, but it doesn't seem that my schedule's allowed me. I assure you, your men keep me well-tipped. Mm, good. And well-drunk. Oh. On, on the good nights. On the good nights. I would have you know I'm counting on you in a measure for this oh, assignment. Oh, I, I have... I'm sober for today. Good. Though you will not have to be for this. There is a matter of discretion that requires the attention of all three of you. I've recently come to a man under my protection, and I need to see him safely escorted. That is, in fact, why I've called a lot of you. You see, Mara here is one of my more trusted hands. Fairly capable woman at that. Now, Val, I believe you have some latent abilities. You are a... I, um... I am a, a cleric of sorts. Yes, I understood that to be close to the case. Mm -hmm. I believe they could be using your supernatural abilities on this. If only should anything go awry, you manage to assist Mara in correcting it. And you, Skamos, you are there not only to help them blend in, but I've taken a certain understanding that in your travels you've learned how to defend yourself? Uh, I have had no choice but to do so. And I will attest to this in court. Perfect. Well, then it seems I've gathered the right lot for this. You see, this escort, he is a peculiar man. I need him to Longbrook not only safe, but undisturbed. He has a certain measure of information that I've deemed vital to our high crown. There will be king's men waiting for you in Longbrook. They will be there 
in just over a week's time, and they will stay there for about three days, keeping the disguise that they are simply on patrol. Now, it is up to you to get him there within that week's time, or by the end of the King's Men's patrol. You will have something close to ten days, I believe. These are all estimations, of course, as the bird we sent is run afoul bad weather. We saw it coming in just before we sent the bird out. Now, I would advise you not waste too much time, but I've heard some rather unsettling rumors through my kingdom. Several of the villages seem to have been beset by some very unwelcome guests and some unnatural problem. I don't ask of you that you solve every trouble on your path, as that would only get in the way of your assignment, but if you could handle any of these strange events, either on your way to Longbrook or preferably on your way back, it would be much appreciated and I would be sure to pay your efforts in kind. Now, I suppose you'll want to know a little bit about the old man that you'll be escorting. He is a strange one at that. He is a hardy fellow, as I've learned from my talks with him, but he is a very quiet fellow. If you were hoping for discussion with a man, he's fairly tight-lipped. Unfortunate. Yes. Not exactly a conversationalist. Now, he is... I gather that he has some form of abilities. I doubt he will be keen to show you any measure of what it is he can do. So I would not count on him to really help you with much of anything. He's been given his basic provisions for the trip. We will provide you whatever supplies you may need, aside from horse and carriages. Unfortunately, due to the bandit presence lately, that will simply draw too much attention. It seems they've been knocking off any of the wagons that haven't been waiting for escorts. Fairly unfortunate. But if you have questions, now would be the time. I would like you to leave before this day is over. What is the, the weight of the importance of this noble, or...? Not a noble. The closest we may be able to surmise is he is some sort of learned man. He is a traveler and a seeker of knowledge, a purveyor of lost arts. A lore master. Of sorts, yes. Interesting. Unfortunately, you said he was tight-lipped. Quite. Mm. Tragedy. He did little more than express to me the importance and prove it. Any of the erroneous details he's saving for the high crown. Gods forbid I step in the middle of that business. Aye. As I step into the middle of this business. Oh dear. Oh my. Should be interesting. Do as you ask. No more, no less. Very well. Should you descend the plateau at the base of the keep, 
You will find provisions waiting for you, and the old man will be waiting by the gate. He may give very little more than a nod or a wave. Don't be dejected, just keep an eye on him and ensure that he reaches Longbrook. The path you take there is up to you. Very well, my lord. It shall be done. Lovely. Right away, then. Off with you, then. Fair winds to you. I would try to get some headway in before the storm catches you. So we'll be leaving now. Hat goes back on, takes a good another ten seconds. Lord Werner reaches behind him as an advisor, fills his hand with cup and wine. He gives you a nod and short salute. Be off, then. Fast salute and out the door. Val stands, gives a short bow, and rushes after the soldier. I grab a piece of bread from the table, and then I go. <laughs> you leave crumbs in your way. <laughs> As you lot press out of the manor, you enter the courtyard, beautiful and evergreen as always. There are vibrant colors filling your senses, but unfortunately you've not the time to admire the gardens. You head past the I fountains. I attempt to do so anyway. You soak in many vibrant colors, and you realize that there are quite a few strange plants in here. Quite a few that you're fairly certain you'll never figure out what they are. I think that one tried to eat my toe once. I'm gonna, I'm going to leave. That may have been a dream, <laughs> though that may have been the plant that gave you the dream from an induced narcolepsy. Cactus quench. I see the quenchiest. <laughs> Wait for me! You swear from the corner of your eye, the butt of the plant trembles in your direction. Oh no. You'd be wise to keep moving. I am. I am now moving. Not stopping. As you do, you're sure that the butt of that plant ceases to shudder. And you all make your way to the stone steps that lead down to the keep at large. Uh, you see quite a procession. As it seems, not only are the guardsmen rallying and moving the stockpiles to a more readied position, uh, supplies and whatnot, barricades and the like, but they've made a concerted effort to draw your attention to the three packs full of traveler supplies, and the old man already carrying his, standing right next to all of yours. Uh, there are several colored advisors waving you down from the precipice as you make your way down. The hustle and bustle of the soldiers seems to part as you move through the keep, almost as if they were well aware that you were all assigned to some rather important hush-hush assignment. I'm likely nodding at quite a few I recognize. A good number of them give you quick salutes, some even bow, those being the uh, lower soldiers, mostly the ones in training who have learned to respect that those assigned above guardsmen have earned their place. Hey, Jim, how's the wife? Uh, uh, she is not good. I'm sorry to hear that. Hey, hopefully she pulls through. See you next time. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. you uh, keep, keep walking. Jim is a buzzkill. Later. His wife left him for a baker. That's why he's a buzzkill. Poor guy. <laughs> you all reached the 
man old aged beyond knowing his skin something like pulled leather is covered from chin to neck to wrist in tattoos arcane and far beyond your knowledge many of them showing some sort of geomantic writing some form of arcane scripture in the lines between them and he places a hand to his throat and he gives a bow with closed eyes before straightening himself and propping himself up on his cane he regards each of you with a small smile says so we'll be off then yes uh, I I return his bow politely but this man does seem strange Mara gives a shallow bow another short bow I see you're all well versed in etiquette I begin ripping through the pack of supplies you see bedrolls a small pouch of ball bearings a pair of water skins a tent for said bedroll and a small pouch of salt salt in addition to other cured meats and rations. Be wise not to go through it in an afternoon. I'm not going to snort it. Can you snort it? I should try. I don't it. recommend. Okay. The ham? <laughs> no, don't eat the ham. Don't. Don't eat the ham. But do you snort the ham? Only once. I put it on the bag. You do so. Its weight is comfortable once you manage to rest it on your back. I assume a lot of you pack up? Mm-hmm. Yes. The gate is very quickly drawn for you as you are all released out into the teafwood. You hear, see, can even smell the nature at large. Not terribly offensive at that, but the howl of wolves can be heard far in the distance. You see a fox jetting after a rabbit, barely ducking into a hole before the fox pauses, frozen almost as if in time, before jutting its face straight into the hole and staying there for something like ten seconds before giving up on the rabbit. Are either of you hunters? No. They found me in these woods. (laughs) Weren't you lost? Very! In fact, I think you are familiar. I may have... Were you in the bar last Saturday? It was a very, very... It was... Well, when you came into town, there was a lot of gossip around the fool who'd been, who'd been lost in the woods for a week. Three days. A week is an exaggeration. I, it was longer every time someone else told it. That's fair. I may have also Last said time I heard two it, it was months. A month. <laughs> oh, it would be assigned the lost bard. A pleasure. Unfortunately, they have you to guide them. You know me, but I don't quite recall you. Mara Astor. Skamos. A pleasure. Sure. I'm sure it will be for all of us. Val Karras. Uh, my father was the baker. <laughs> <laughs> Not that baker, the other one. <laughs> oh, no, but I'm going to tell everyone anyway. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Wonderful. I was the baker. <laughs> you dog. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. First meme. <laughs> oh, 
you all set off on your journey. You see abruptly upon exiting the gates, the greater path leading straight into the deep woods. Um, some of you are familiar enough. Not Skamos, nope. exactly. No. Um, no. But Val and Mara know that if you were to take the greater path, it would split off at some point, heading further north. Uh, what is it? Northwest and southwest. <coughs> heading likely through the towns of Dalhal and Taruna, respectively. Mm -hmm. uh, were you to go straight south, you'd likely be capable of spending some of your personal coin on more provisions, if you felt like it, in the proper town of Clashkeep, situated less than half a mile away. I will trust our navigation to you. The stories of the Lost Bard, time, exaggerated, yes, everything else, less so. But you did eat the cactus? I did. Terrible mistake, terrible mistake. Always peel and boil your cactus. Dal Hall would be a good stop, but we wouldn't want to go much more north than that. Mm. It depends how far you can walk. She eyes the old man. He seems to be a little apprehensive. He's definitely studying the makeup that is his escort. Uh, his eyes dart back to you every now and then. You can tell he's looking for tells. So... I don't know much of Dahl, but uh, Taruna and Clashkeep are ready options, I would think. Might have something to pick up in Clashkeep, actually. If it's on the way, I don't see why not. I wouldn't mind seeing a town before we head off. I've been stuffed up in that keep for a day and a half. Well, Clashkeep it is. If you've no objections. Majority rule. I'll begin walking. It's probably the wrong direction. Someone should stop me. <laughs> Just either walk in front or behind me. Just the man in rags gives Mara a short nod before he presses on past and follows the fool. More preferably in front of me. The walk is a fairly short one. Uh, fairly brisk at that as it is in a uh, decline in your favor. Mm -hmm. The town as you come up to it is littered with cottages just sparsely scattered about the town there's a town square in which there are quite a few markets stalls there are several larger shops with more permanent residents but the outskirts of the town are mostly consumed with the many agricultural products that this town provides the keep and the nearby cities at large so you head in, one of the ladies that uh, Val is actually familiar with, dusting a porch, raises her hand. Hello, Val! What are you doing? Uh, wonderful. I'm on um, what, 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 what a super going? secret important mission that we're not supposed to tell people I about. I don't think you should say that much out loud. Expedition. I, what was that, Val? <laughs> I can't hear your friend. Oh. Uh, I've been given a job, uh, I've been given she a job. She waves back at Skamos. <laughs> <laughs> I've been given a job lately. I'm going to be out of town for a while, so I needed to pick some things up from home. Oh, lovely, lovely. Oh, where you're are you headed? Here. Huh? Oh. Where are you headed, dear? Oh, oh uh, to the bakery. I'm heading to the bakery. Oh, dear. Yes, yes, but where are you venturing, dear? Um, Longbrook. Longbrook. I'm going to Longbrook. 
I was Uncle Brock then. It's been so long since I've been. If you do see any of my family, do let me know. Uh, you will be coming back, yes? Ah, uh, yes. Wonderful, wonderful. Let me know how the Moors are doing. Okay, I will. All right. You have a good day, You too. Yeah. She waves you each off, giving a sweet smile as you pass by her house on the edge of town. As you head further in, you open up into that marketplace, the many goods being traded between the commoners. Uh, largely some more exotic fruits that are kept in people's backyards. They seem to be trading not for coin, but for more goods. Uh, several of them are trading services, such as simple linen shirts and whatnot. Um, you hear the bleeding of goats as they pass just by the market. And as you walk just a tad further through, you see your parents' bakery. Wonderful. I just need to be in very shortly, and I'll be right out. Uh, keep it short. And I'm going to... Uh, and I'm just going to... I'm, as soon as as soon as he walk, they walk off, I'm just pulling out the fiddle and tuning it. Immediately after Val splits from the party, the old man lowers his eyes just slightly and looks to either of you. I may be old, but I do have good ears. It's not much point in whispering around me. Just so you know. I was talking about the bard. That makes sense. You certainly mean you no disrespect, sir. What was that? Understood. I am a stranger in these parts. So I, r I rush into the bakery uh, mm -hmm. to pick up my armaments. You see know. your father with long braided hair down to his waist, mm -hmm. and he seems fairly preoccupied with one of the many ovens. Mm -hmm. uh, but as he hears the bell from the door, uh, he pulls back pulls his mitts off before he turns back, lays them on a shelf. And once he sees you, he says, Ah, wow, you're already back. Is that I the just, baker? Uh, Jim says hi. The journey is going Wrong on. baker. <laughs> Rape your hilt, right your ribs. <laughs> oh, 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 I just heard this. I don't know why, but some, something fills me with humor. Anyways, uh, uh, the journey's going to be longer than I expected, so I need to pick up a few things. Uh, from the uh, basement. I see. What is it you'll be needing here? Uh, the, uh, the chain shirt and spear. Ah, yes. A good call. Mm. Uh, there have been tales of bandits. Mm. We haven't told everyone in the village yet, but as you know, with some seniority, they have informed us. Be careful, dear, and don't forget. If you have salt, use it. He hands you the key to the basement. You pop back out the front door and you go into the cellar. All right. Go down the cellar, open up chest, crossbow, bolts, rapier. Modest supplies, but definitely enough yeah. to defend yourself with. Yeah. I change into the chain, uh, chain shirt right there, put my clothes over it, mm. and then grab the spear and walk out using it as much like a walking stick as I can. The chain shirt has a familiar weight to it. It having been tailored to you mm -hmm. when you finally grew into what would be your adult form uh, it is very natural to wear and you've become rather accustomed to wearing it underneath your robes mm -hmm. your father very specifically put you through training for that mm -hmm. right. you meet back up with the group not more than 10 
minutes passed, but several of you are getting antsy. Terribly lost in his own his own music. The world is missing to him. He just fades out. Leaned against a building, staring at the bard, wondering if maybe she should buy a leash. (laughs) (laughs) I see. Well then. Unfortunately, you'll find no dog trainers in these parts. Perhaps a bell. There's a stable nearby. How far can a wandering minstrel wander? Three days in the woods. It's pretty bad. Oh, you're back. Yes, and, and I'm just holding a, a pole with a bag over the end, tied a couple times over. Mm. In the time in which you were preparing, in the time in which you were keeping an eye on the minstrel, the old man had wandered over to one of the stalls and bought himself a small collection of apples. He returns with one in hand, biting into it. We'd be going off then. If no one has any further business. Uh, this was all I needed to grab. Likewise. These are good apples. Bard? No one here seems terribly interested in a bard today. They do seem to be keeping a little distance from you as you are outside of your natural habitat, that being the bar. Yeah. You tend to swear when you come back from work. Only on my mother's grave. <laughs> Let's go. I think she's dead. I'm not sure. Story for another time. Another time! You lot pack up, <laughs> head back on your way. How is it that you travel? Do you head to Dahal, Taruna? Um, Those being the major way stops. Well, what's, what's Dahal like? Well, it began as a pair of mercantile camps. One of them logging, the other trading. Uh, They were started by a pair of brothers on a plateau that featured extraordinarily rich wood. It was supple, dense, and yet at the same time lightweight. It was incredibly durable and pliable. It held almost any quality that a carpenter desired from it. That said, beyond that, The grove in which that logging camp found itself was blessed with bounty. They've had a constant season of logging ever since they've made their camp permanent. The mercantile camp at the base of that plateau is largely a fishing trading post. They move the lumber down the lazy streams and fish for themselves. I've always wanted to see the Grove of Dalhal, but... What is Taruna like? It is a strange colony, if nothing else. Uh, Rumor has it that it was once set to be a masterfully crafted city. But as it is known today, it is but a large town situated at the base of a mountain. Its most noticeable feature is easily the scarred land surrounding it, blackened, almost as if everything refuses to grow, almost as if it's been starved. And yet, in the land at the center of that scar, at the base of that mountain, they have known nothing but bounty since the years of their inception. They are most famous for producing 
what is known as one of the highest quality medicinal herbs in the known kingdoms. I feel like we would gain more going to Taruna. Mara is noticeably tensing. I'll go ahead and roll perception, but I guarantee you... You could also roll insight. I guarantee you... First it, roll, no pressure. First roll, no pressure. That's, that's an 18. As the one who said it, Val, you may also say it. Minus three. Oh. <laughs> Fifteen dodo. Well, you may not be known as the most perceptive of men, but Skamos can pick up on a hint. <laughs> and this hint is saying that Mara is strangely uncomfortable with any mention of Taruna. You know, I think Taruna sounds lovely. I hear it's great this time of year. They have this lovely <laughs> ale there. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I thought you character. had said that I would be leading us. And then I would be deciding he who was lost in the woods for three days. That I did. That I did. I leave it to you, our wonderful, wonderful guy. And I hide behind the drown. <laughs> I'm like half your size. Yes. What are you doing? <laughs> Get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. A fair gesture, as Mara was in fact white knuckling the hilt of her sitter. Some more Dota. Dull Hall. Dull Hall. That's correct. What the fuck is the Mordona? I don't know. That sounds like some kind of strange alcohol. It was. Chief export of one of the trading cities you passed by. Good stuff. It um, left memories. It also... Took, took some. memories. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like many a woman I've met, it took more than it gave. Ooh. 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 <laughs> Dion! Who are you, Scamos? He's a bar. She's fucking the baker. <laughs> Quack. Oh, man. It always goes back to the baker. Free the baker. <laughs> no. Hashtag free the baker. With the headstrong implications of Mara, it seems as if the party is headed towards Dull Hall, the mercantile camp. I hear it's lovely this time of year. Love yeah. to see it. The Grove has been known for its exotic splendor. There's just something about the ever-growing woods that make it almost inspiring. And if we go, I'm going. Val starts walking. Yeah. Believe me, you want nothing to do with those northerners. Sounds like a story. We can talk and walk. We can walk and walk. Ooh. You walk and walk. I'll talk and walk. And I don't know anything about the northern. You, you keep How do you talking. feel about spiders? If I stop hearing your voice, I'll assume that you've wandered off. Very well. Well, one time when I was... <laughs> <laughs> the trip nonstop. Goes on nonstop. and on and on. And after what seems like an hour, in what was really only 20 minutes, you come to the fork in the road, and Skamos soon begins to mumble as he sees the path to Taruna, but quickly snaps out of it as he sees Mara's intense gaze. Not so much the intense gaze, and more like the slowly drawing saber. The, the sound effect definitely helps. If you want to be lost again for another five days, be my guest, but I'm not coming to find you. So Dalhall! And the path to Dalhall lies before you. 
forked to the left, you take the southwestern road. It begins to become a little rocky at points. The hours and the days pass, fairly uneventful. You hear the many chirps, crickets, and bird sounds caught in the forest, of which I will not emulate because I cannot do that. How is this road? Do your taxes! <laughs> so what does that <laughs> falls to disrepair parts. You see vines encroaching from the forest. But considering you've no wheeled carriage or horse to manage, it's fairly easy to navigate. You do what you can to avoid the more rocky encroachments in which the road has fallen to disrepair. Um, the hours pass, and uh, might I ask, who is leading this I, I walked ahead of the group, so these two wouldn't banter and hold us up. <laughs> yes. A good call. Mm. If you could go ahead and just roll me a d20 for the day's progress. D20 plus we'll go ahead and call it your pathfinding roll. Okay. Plus anything. Hey, wrong game. <laughs> Look, I didn't say pathfinder. Pathfinding. Trademarked. That's a thing. Trademarked. Uh, next session will have completely converted to second edition. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> I'm not ready. I know. I was just talking with you. Does this plus anything? Uh, survival? Even, I would say, perception. Things that I'm not good at. I'm going to go with perception. <laughs> All right. Let's see that roll. That is a, an 11. All oh. right. Eight plus three. Not so bad. You managed to make decent headway for the group. Unfortunately, several of those vines sort of stretch across the entire road. They do make it fairly difficult at times. But with some proper navigation, you managed to lead them through these massive routes. Um, you can't help but feel like some of today's progress was stolen mm. by the terrain but you manage to keep people up to pace. Okay. In the sense that they had to keep up with you. <laughs> and they had your trail to follow. Mm -hmm. So as the sun wanes and night quickly begins to fall, the lot of you begin, I assume, looking for a campfire location. Don't ask me to roll survival, I only have plus one. I'll take a look! All right, if you survival. could go ahead and roll either survival, survival or perception. Sleep on the ground like a real soldier. Ten total. Not so bad. Let's see anybody else's rolls. Yeah, we'll go ahead and have a group roll. Eleven. That'll be a twenty. Going with that one. We're following Mara, as is our prerogative. Uh, was that natural or no? A nineteen plus one. Not bad at all. All right. Uh, Val, Skamos, you spend your time with your eyes largely on the road, occasionally drifting upwards to appreciate the many strange birds. Um, both of you hadn't traveled much. I believe, Val, you'd mostly kept to the town of Clashkeep, and Skamos, anytime you tried to leave the town of Clashkeep, well, as the stories go, you became horribly, horribly lost. But fortunately, you know, the ever-experienced Mara, who had, in fact, traveled this road several times, not only for patrol, but for other assignments that 
Lord Bernard handed down. And as you walk, and several of you make note on the days passing and the nights falling, Mara moves forward with confidence until leading just past a set of bushes and then underbrush, the vast canopy that makes up the deedwood, and enters into a clearing backed on two sides by this almost hollowed-out alcove from a large jutted-up rock. And in the center of this lies the remains of many old campfires with several spots that seem to have been made out for sleeping positions in the past. Um, you see this as a rather fine place to make camp. And without any objections... I, I all too gladly drop my bag. All right. The old man follows suit, tucking his belongings and bedroll into the furthest corner of this alcove he can find. He, after establishing his nook, he brings out his pipe, lights it, acknowledges each of you with a singular bow from his head, a nod, really, and pulls a book from one of the many satchels he'd been carrying on his person and busies himself while you lot make camp. Mara, you set the fire. Val, what is it you do? Uh, I attempt to build my tent for the first time. Oh, lovely. Go ahead and roll survival. We'll come back to that. Scamos, what are you doing? I'm checking out this rock. It's a nice rock. Yeah. It's a real nice rock. I'm climbing the rock. It's so oh. shapely. It's like it was built to be climbed. Right. Roll a climb check. That would be athletics. Mara, if you could go ahead one. and no. roll survival <laughs> to establish this. Or I, nature if you'd like. I rolled an unnatural 20 for survival. 19 plus 1. You are a god darn natural. You slap this thing together. It's just like two prongs and a stick that is held up by the two prongs but it is it is it is flawless this is this is drow craftsmanship that's what this is <laughs> Mara is impressed at the first display of competency there is not a single I look at it slacked fold like slack jawed surprise <laughs> it is roomy like you can just fully lay out your bedroll and have room for your feet and your head to still be in the tent. Maximum usage of space. Patient. Premium bedroll. I shrug out of my large gray coat, fold it up gently, put it down, take my fiddle case and tail, and that's a 13 to climb this damn rock. Fortunately, it was sloped from the back end you found, so it was more of a heavily inclined walk, but you did it. You did it like a champ. You did that little power pose with the kneel forward up with the one leg <laughs> as you were going up. It's like a power step. You just swelled inside you. You feel great. Calves. You did. You did. There's a slight burn. It kind of hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Been walking all day. Yeah. Find this damn rock. That didn't help. No. That did not help at all. But I feel good. Yeah, and you are easily something like 15 feet above the rest of them sitting at the top of this alcove. 
I go I go to Mara. How does this work? Do we take watches? Or I'll take first watch. Okay. I only need four hours of sleep. And you will be tapped first. Uh, and I believe Mara had rolled for... I had rolled for survival and got a 16. 15 plus one. Wonderful. You managed to set up the camp before night even falls. You are seeing twilight by the time your campfire is up, ready, and you have established yourself a bit of a perimeter. You did a little bit of bush clearing and knocking back some of the more invasive roots, if only to ensure that you had the time for forewarning before anything were to jump out of these bushes. You've been specifically to this campsite in the past, so you're fairly comfortable with the goings-on around this place. There don't tend to be hostile creatures, but you have heard tales of even a few guardsmen taking this campsite and having a bit of a ruckus towards midnight. So, you're certain that the campsite is as prepared as it can be. Uh, you look over your salt, but you don't see much need for it yet. These aren't one of the more active areas. Keep in mind, I bought five pounds of salt before this game started. <laughs> need to buy a shield. <laughs> no. Right. Can I see Flash Keep from on top of this rock? Can no, okay. there's a lot of foliage. There's a lot of tree. There's a lot of tree. You're pretty sure that the time in which you were lost, you saw some of these trees, but then again, you're not from a place with a lot of trees. But I think that they all look the same. <laughs> this is maddening. You don't know how people live here. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see the horizon. There's not even a brothel down street. How do you even live as a bard? No liquor, no women. What is this? You're Mara, pretty sure the no liquor thing is because offended. people know you have a little bit of a problem. But then again, maybe the people from the dunes just party harder. It's gotta be it. Probably. <laughs> as big and brutish as these people are, they really don't party much. No. They tip good, though. They do. They're very polite folk. That much is No one's thrown true. rocks. But you have received a scornful look or two. Probably just because you're new. Probably because I'm the baker. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back to that. It's wow. never going away. <laughs> See, I feel so bad for Jim. It was Jim, right? It was Jim. It was Jim. Okay. It was Jim. Poor Jim. Poor Jim. All right, if there's no like spectacular views or vistas from atop the rock, I will climb down. But the last time, the baker oh. was not my father. <laughs> Well, your father is a baker. I know, but he wasn't that baker. You're right. He's a baker, <laughs> not the baker. Yes. That was me. You're not a baker. I can be. Baker Nobody said anything. Anything in the oven doesn't make you a baker. Damn it. You're making this up with Jim's wife. There go all my credentials and Jim's wife. <laughs> oh, no. To be fair, we all knew Jim wasn't going to keep her. <laughs> she was an out-of-towner. Oh no. Poor Boone. Can't say too much about her. You could. It's just rude. How is camp? Have and will. I love camp. Jim, but how's camp? Camp thus far has been a pleasant experience. Your compatriots, your party members have yet to really screw anything up. So by soldier standards, they're doing a bang up job. 
I'm currently staring at Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. Oh, we'll get there. The trouble is yet to truly brew. Yes. Uh, how will you keep yourselves busy now that you have this stretch of period before exhaustion sets in, before watch begins? Well, if I can actually manage to set up my tent, and on a two, and on a on a zero, I wow. don't. <laughs> really? Three minus three. No tent for Skamos. Wow. You reach into the bag that you left on the ground and you pull out the supplies to make the tent. It's basically five sticks. This can't be hard. You pull up the cloth, you throw the sticks together, and you realize you broke one of the prongs when you threw the bag on the ground. But it's probably fine if you prop it up just right. So you go to set it up. It's a little wobbly. You go to drape the cloth on it, stretch it out, tie it up. And every time you go to tie it up, it falls. I like to take pity on him. You give up pretty quick. <laughs> so you just throw your bedroll on top and you're like, I'm good. I, I take out the sticks and I'm just going to use it as a blanket. Yeah, you, you just wrap the tent around the bedroll and it's like you got a double blanket. Perfect. Look My at these guys not being creative. <laughs> I pull out an actual blanket. And he looks warmer than the tent. <laughs> Am I allowed to, like, take rude pity on him? Absolutely. And help build his thing? Absolutely. Do I have to make a roll? Yes. <laughs> I like he how, broke his tent. I like how before I even... Before That's a we, three! <laughs> wow. You, like... You take three you steps and of, fall on his tent. You kind <laughs> of force him out of it. You're like, get the hell out of it. You're honestly but making the rest of us look bad. Rats are going to gnaw your eyes. Oh, God. get out. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you unburrito yourself from this tent, shimmy out of your bedroll, and you watch as she desperately tries to fix the camping gear that you broke. You don't even know how you did it. It's not your fault. <laughs> he should have packed it differently in the bag. Faulty equipment. Absolutely. What did you even do? Eleven. <laughs> Yet you don't know how, but he busted this thing. You've never had to repair tent gear, but as you set it up, it's just a lopsided tent. Like, it's short on one leg, so it's really just a lean-to. Uh, upon Val coming over and helping, she actually suggests, why not just build this against the inner wall of the alcove? I think that's the only way this tent is going to work anymore. You take her advice, slap it together, and sure enough, you find a pair of worthwhile divots in the wall of the alcove where you can sort of jam the broken sticks in. And he has a half cave wall, half tent lean-to. That'll deter most of the rats, but some are tenacious and big. I keep my knife close. I can't, I can't <laughs> tell if you're being serious or if you're just trying to scare him. Does it matter? I nope! I'm in the tent. That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. Val's concern for her own well-being is very apparent. <laughs> You're afraid of rats is going to be a much harder journey than I thought. I'm not afraid of rats or spiders or things that crawl, but I also respect them and don't and don't like things nibbling on me while I'm eating. Oh, I'm sleeping. I don't like it while I'm eating either, but mostly while I'm sleeping. You didn't break your tent gear. I would assume you would be fine. Okay. It's just poke my head out of the tent. Thank you. Close it. You can only close it so much as there's nothing to close it against but the cave wall, so it kind of just hangs there. It's a good enough 
shield against the natural elements, but you can't fasten it to anything. There's very little privacy. If somebody wanted to flip that open, they just could. Mara is angry just looking at it. <laughs> That's it. It works. It's pretty decent. Way better than the like little double blanket tent idea. Way better. You don't know what you're thinking. I gave up. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know exactly what was going through my mind. Hey, to be perfectly fair, from your perspective, you took what life gave you and you rolled with it. And that's oh, what a bard no. does. Into a burrito. Yes. <laughs> Literally rolled with it. Uh, I quit. <laughs> oh, you caught that. <laughs> Alright, so how do you keep yourselves entertained now that you have actually settled your camp situation? How is it that you all while away the time? You tell yourselves any stories around the campfire? I draw Mara. Hmm? Just from the little tent and flat, just pull out my painting supplies, and anytime she's actually sitting still enough to, like, not glare daggers in my directions, is just... I'm gonna roll perception to see what he's doing. <laughs> he is sort of just, like, sticking his torso out <laughs> of Oh, that was an 18, tent. and then it immediately, like, wobbled, and then four. He's drawing oh, tentacle wow. porn. So that was a seven. <laughs> uh, you, I'm not trying to hide it too much. The sense that he's... Well, one of those artistic types, and that definitely looks like artisan's gear, likely uh, some sort of illustrator. Mm. Probably paint? You mm. don't really know what he's doing, but he's looking towards the campfire, where I guess Mara is a lot. That's sure. <sighs> Retreat. <laughs> <laughs> he shimmies his torso back into his lean-to. Mara continues to polish her rapier, pretending that she didn't hear anything that just fucking happened. <laughs> <laughs> Do you poke your head out of the... Yeah. Uh, the second he pokes his head out of the lean-to, a stone hits him in the nose. Oh. Just a small one. Oh. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> Nobody appreciates Skamos. <laughs> it was like one of those dirt ones, so it's kind of soft. <laughs> it, it was a cl- it kind of broke on the bridge of your nose. <laughs> It's like fat camp all over again. (laughs) It was just a little jab. Probably don't appreciate you eyeing the only other female and... Skamos will remember this. (laughs) Oh, oh, yeah, on your HUD, you see, bottom left, it popped up. It's there. Okay, so I know who I have to kill next. (laughs) Oh, I'm joking. Wow, this is turning inwards fast. (laughs) I am annoyed, but I can't. I can't promote this. <laughs> you, you can only assume that Val is jealous. <laughs> Maybe wisdom of five. the alternative <laughs> is possibly she's she sort of, of one of those protective types. Possibly. Maybe she just doesn't like bards. Oh my god, maybe she's racist against tieflings. <laughs> yeah, she is. <laughs> the drow, really. <laughs> and that's more or less the available trains of thought. <laughs> hey, you, can, you can have your own, so those are just examples. I'm going with all of the above. Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot to think with five wisdom. Hey, to well, be fair, he could just be overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. He thought it was a rock for a second. It drove him on this whole, like, flashback train. I mean, bad times is a bard that's disrespected, yo. Yeah. 
starting to feel a little bad about the bullying that's going on. <laughs> that's just what happens when you have a bard in the party. Mm, yeah, sometimes. It, it's Camos handles his illustrations with a little more discretion, relying a little bit more on his imagination as maybe... Oh, no, it has... so much worse! <laughs> that's a lot worse! No, it has to be accurate. Oh, oh Paul, you, you, you take your peaks, but you're very wary of the dirt clods as they will fuck up your eyes. <laughs> At one point, there is no dirt clod. There's just, like... He, he goes out, and then there's just, like... It's like there's a second flap. <laughs> Val is positioning some sort of protective screen. It's just, the, it's just the, it's just like a stick, and then the blanket draped over it. Maybe let him keep what keeps his sanity. <laughs> I don't need to wake up with a fiddle down my throat. <laughs> no, I'm I can not going still hear into you. the euphemism there. The minute I say, <laughs> yeah. No, so they are obviously keeping themselves busy with white versus black spy antics. <laughs> what is Mara doing? Mara is polishing a rapier and contemplating the deck of cards in her pack. Hmm. Deciding whether or not she really wants to start a game. It's more or less. Hmm. I pull out the pole and take my blanket to my tent. Hmm. And uh, seclude myself in there to uh, pray for a bit. Ah. You... Meditate on the blessings that the Moon Dancer has brought your family, and it brings you a warm sense of peace. Mm. Something you can simply tell is alien to your years in the Underdark. Mm. Cold and the absence of light was the majority of it. And granted, it was a civilized place with its own set of rules, but it certainly didn't cater to the nurturing of young, which is something that you found very odd when you first came. It's all a very heavy train of thought to be on, on your first real trip away from home. Just gonna roll something really quick. Ooh, personal roll. That was homesick. <laughs> that was fast. Yeah, it was. <laughs> One day. Like, six-ish hours ago. <laughs> it just about... <laughs> Like, this is going to be bad, I just know it. <laughs> I'm the baby of this group, 22. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, comparatively to, like, end of life... You're probably yeah. the most well-adjusted. Probably. I'm not considered adult an adult until 50 years. You're not considered an adult until, like, 75. No, it, with elves in 5e, it is listed <laughs> at 100. The lifespans are shortened. Really? Lifespans are shortened, and, to they're a degree. All, and they're considered adults at 100, not 75. Mm. You little baby. Mm. Right, uh, Valis, how old again? Huh? Fifty. Fifty. Yes, yeah, she's well into her teenage years, which is weird. Mm -hmm. So, the night passes. It finally becomes time for first watch. Um, who would be going again? And how many you watches would there be? Battle most likely gonna, be me. Yeah. Yeah, and then you were right. gonna send me out. Yeah. Because I, I I needed the least sleep. She still does not trust you guys. No. Would Val then be taking the... Second and probably third watch because she sleeps the least. Yeah. Okay. This okay. one watches over nothing. And also... I know, can help with at least some of the watch. You watch your wits. Oh. You're just fine. Oh. This I can do. I'm just imagining, I'm just imagining him drawing a hamster on a wheel and looking at it. <laughs> 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 Maybe. <laughs> I would like to roll a perform for the uh, 
drawings. By all means. <laughs> oh, God. That. 16. Alright. Mm. Disfigured. One minute. She has two eyes. She has two hands. <laughs> hey, I got really good at hands. I had to. Like, shit. <laughs> if, it, it, everything can look great, but if there's no hands... You had settled on something a little more impactful than the backdrop that you currently had, and it decided not only on catching the frame of this obviously seasoned soldier, and instead focused on following up with your color work, and letting that entire piece be characterized by the absence of color, largely in the background. It's a very stark piece for an empty canvas. It's almost as if she's sitting upon the log before the fire, sharpening her blade in a place alien to any other. It's fairly well done. You, if you continue to touch it up, could likely sell it for a modest price, but you definitely wouldn't find a collector looking for it. No, this is, this is fine for my purposes. Oh God! <laughs> <Not> sure. <laughs> that is when I break out the weaving materials. Oh no! Oh, it's making a sock. Oh no! <laughs> it got worse. No. no. It escalated, if you would. Oh, <laughs> at the campfire. <laughs> Y'all need pass. to backtrack. It's so <laughs> hard. Uh, in all seriousness, if anyone's like watching him draw when he's not being hit in the face with a dirt clot he's like just three three dirt clots okay the last one he counted (laughs) he is taking it fairly seriously he is if nothing else passionate in regards to his works Uh, it is kind of difficult to do all of this in your tent um it is it kind is of suspicious when you're the only dude in the party and you're like peering out of your tent to do that. It is additionally exhaustive when you are in your cramped lean-to. There is mo- there is plenty of room to move around, but to move and work is difficult. Well, now that the drawing is done, he'll actually like, I'll st- Skamos will step outside closer to the firelight, prop the picture up against like the portion of the cave, and he pulls from his bag, this long, beautiful coat of this uh, deep blue material and stitched into it, in and at every corner, are figures of people, places, some of them familiar to probably each of you a lot, maybe not. Most notably, there like a few jump out. There is one rather detailed of, of what looks like a king swinging an axe wild, rather wildly, uh, a large serpent rising out of a dune, this magnificent waterfall coming from the sky, all just stitched painstakingly into this cloak, and he just sits down, finds an empty patch, and starts copying the painting. A beautiful moment, to be sure. Though I will say there's plenty of room on the patches, or at, on the coat, as Scamos is many roads yet to travel. Uh, Mara, Val, you see this man laboriously dedicating himself to his art. Not only after painting, he is now transferring what he has made to yet another medium. 
feel bad now. <laughs> Good. No. That's I feel bad by getting fucking stitched into a quilt. <laughs> you see, of course, Mara, uh, the iconography that he depicted of you, a little nondescript as he was leaning more towards an impressionist visage of you, more the idea of you than your likeness specifically. Though he did copy some of your characteristics, such as your browned hair and golden eyes. Attention to detail, for sure. Seems like a rather private moment. She'll just keep watch, but make a note to be a little nicer. Mm. The first watch, uh, go ahead and roll. And this can be, again, perception or spot. Oh. Mm. That is a nine. Plus your perception. That's total. That's total. That's rough. Oh. All right. The <coughs> first watch goes with some ease as a number of the characters are still awake. Val has retired to rest herself so that she will be ready for when her watch comes. But Skamos kept himself up. Uh, an hour or two into your watch, painstakingly working on his mediums, until he finally grew wary, sighed with a breath of relief, and Good night, as Mara. most of the stitching was finished, he tucked it away rather gently before taking the canvas of which he had worked on, working the piece out to be stored safely, and retires to his tent. Good night. She just nods her head. Where's the old man? Does he have his own oh, chapter? He has been smoking rather happily, poring over one of the tombs that he'd pulled from his satchel. Goddamn chain smoker. He <laughs> has yet to cease. There has been a regular uh, periodic billow of smoke pouring out from this man's nostrils. He's the only one that got a pipe set. Yes, yes he did. And it is a fairly simple, if engraved, mm. set. Uh, he is seemingly never running out of tobaccos. He pulls not a bag or a case to contain it. He simply reaches into a fairly sizable pouch, taking up the right side of his hip, thumbs it a bit, and pulls from it a wad of tobacco as he stuffs it into the head of the pipe after cleaning. And he seems fairly intent on staying up at the very least during your watch, Mara. Uh, he is making not a single sound, and as far as you can tell, the man is as comfortable sleeping, sitting up as any of you would be in a tent. A hard man, to be sure. Well, he can be. He respects the silence that you bring. The time passes, there's rustling in the bushes, but... Anytime you hear anything nearing closer, uh, you grab one of the rocks nearby and you tap it against one of the rocks on the fireplace with a just <laughs> and scurrying seems to grow distant, almost as if you were likely scaring off smaller vermin. Rats. Possibly. Rats with knives. Rats. <laughs> Hello everyone, it's Tyler, it's the voice of Skamos Ferdinand and the editor for Campfires and Escalations. I just wanted to take a minute of your time to thank you for listening to our first episode. It's been a long time coming, so I'm excited that we're finally airing. If 
everything's gone sort of according to plan. This episode should have gone up June 11th. Uh, from there, we'll be uploading episodes every other Tuesday, so you can expect to see episode 2 coming up on June 25th. Uh, I also wanted to take a quick minute to thank our friends at BattleBards.com who have provided the amazing music and soundscapes that you've been listening to. Uh, BattleBards is an amazing resource for any dungeon master looking to spruce up their home game or podcast with music, sound effects, weather, and so much more. You can use the coupon code CAMPFIRE or the link in the description when you create your own BattleBards account for a discount off BattleBards Prime which gives you full streaming access to over 3,400 tracks. It's an insane number, and probably more than I'll ever use in editing this podcast. I hope so. It's, it's a lot. Again, that's coupon code CAMPFIRE, one word with no spaces, or the link in the description when you go to make your own uh, BattleBards account. And again, thank you guys. It's been... It's been a wild ride getting this podcast off the ground, getting everything sorted and, you know, editing. We are, uh, we talked about it briefly, but we have never done anything like this before. So it's been a, it's been a quite an effort to get this off the ground running, uh, figuring out all of our equipment, figuring out that, uh, <laughs> we had our microphones pointed the wrong way for a lot of recordings, which is kind of embarrassing to admit. Uh, so, yeah, I, I apologize if the audio quality is not quite what, uh, it could be, but come season two, it will be much better. We've learned quite a lot since our first days, uh, recording the podcast, and we've made leaps and strides since then. Uh, uh, man, I'm starting to ramble. I've taken up enough of your time of cutting here in the middle. You'll be hearing from me every other week, sort of in the middle of the the episodes, to talk about the things we have happening, where you can find the podcast, what days or what days you'll see us put up content, and uh, any other news we might have for you guys. All right, that's enough for me. I'll let you get back to the episode. Again, thanks so much for listening. Back to the show. As the hours pass, no more than a few skitterings in the bush, your watch goes by fairly uneventful until the fi time finally comes for you to pass the watch. All right, Mara gets up, walks over to Val's tent, and as nicely as she can, taps the rapier against the side of the tent. Okay. She does this sheathed. <laughs> You know what? I, as you do this, uh, you see uh, the opening of the tent part, and in the darkness of night, just these two glowing lights appear from inside of the tent. Shaman! <laughs> does her best not to flinch back, but is clearly startled. And it just opens, and it's just Val wrapped in a blanket. You managed to sleep at all? I said fine. Mind taking over the watch, then? Yes, I'm well rested. Go. You emerged from the warm cocoon that was your blanket, fairly rested, you felt homesick, there's a little bit of that morose tug as you pull yourself back into your waking state, but so far so good. There's been no troubles, 
You can do this. This is probably this. the most suburban character I have ever made. Probably. It's <laughs> lovely. Yes. It, it is quaint. Uh, it, it is very tea and chamomile as opposed to what you typically do. I'm which for it, it. Which is like... Four logos. Yeah, yeah. Four <laughs> logos on a curbside at two a.m. <laughs> Four logos by the train stop. Yeah, with some beef jerky. Oh this, god, this is a fun twist for you. I feel like yeah. you're getting like some good like role play like yeah. variety. I'm hung so. up on four loco and beef jerky. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just so very like by the railroad is like such a very specific mental image. I'm it sorry, is. that just sounds like thunder shits and Amtrak. <laughs> I mean, you'd be surprised. Some people are very accustomed to that. Hey, I pity you them. Have, you have not truly understood what street life is like until you have had a peanut butter sandwich. I wouldn't suggest it. It's not bad. Please <laughs> tell me what happens on watch before I puke. Peanut butter on spam. I don't like the thought. But, like, I'm up for spam. I'm up for peanut butter. It just, I, like, I maybe I'm picky. Maybe those two don't go together. I don't know. When you tank them together, they make a ball in your stomach, and you're full for the rest of the day. Anthony, I don't think that's works. good. <laughs> I think that's just the crippling depression. Oh, God. No, that's pulse. <laughs> It, that, that was a homeless trick I learned online uh, when okay. I was homeless. Anyways. Well, okay, at least gonna, it worked, I guess. It did. I'm gonna, uh, it was more expensive than it was worthwhile. Mm. Uh, that sounds like it defeats the purpose. Moving yeah, on. Does. Your watch. Okay, so I go, I go up to the campfire. I take out mm. the steel mirror in my bag, and I stick it in the ground, like, right in my blind spot. Mm. And I just kind of, like, sit cross-legged in front of the, uh, in front of the fire. Okay, so from your alcove, you see just in your regular view quite a bit as there's about a third of the campsite that you've set up that is guarded more or less by the alcove uh that said if anything were going to come it was going to drop down from about 15 feet above you yeah which is unlikely the smoke has a tendency of dispersing just as it reaches the lip of the alcove so you think that you're all going to be fairly well undetected for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, that said, go ahead and roll perception for your night. Or survival? Yeah, that'll work. Uh, I'll go with perception. <laughs> I, mostly because I don't know how survival applies to what I'm doing. Just looking out for predators. I can do that with my eyes. That is a 19 plus 3. There you go. Very, very nice. Alright, so your base was? 19. And your bonus? 3. Lovely. Alright, so you're at a 22. A firm 22 at that. So your night starts with very little events. The forest itself seems to have died down and adopted a very a bit peaceful back and forth between the howling of owls, the chirping of an occasional bird, and the skittering of uh, lesser creatures such as vermin. Mm -hmm. um, and then it just sort of bleeds off into crickets, cicadas, with the occasional howling. All right. Well, your watch proceeds with very little event. You actually spend some time listening to the more 
base natures of the woods. It's almost soothing in a way. It's the first time I've been in the woods in a very long time. It's certainly different from camping nearby any of the settlements as you are well away and hours out. But um, you, you smell something. And it smells something akin to filth. Like unwashed persons or someone that had been, say, toiling in the fields for quite some time. And then Somebody not too far off in the distance, you hear a, a certain kind of scurrying in the underbrush, just a... ready yourself. You're unsure as to what direction it's truly coming from, but it's definitely some sort of scampering. It's difficult to pin, as I said earlier, but you know it's out there. And go ahead and roll perception again. Okay. That is a 14. Lovely. Uh. Uh, that passes. You see, well into the underbrush, a flash of a pair of red eyes before you see them dip out of your line of sight, and you are almost certain they're headed towards the camp. You can almost hear them now. Some sort of... As I hear this, I close my eyes, I breathe on the ring and raise it over my hand, and I can't. And I cast dancing lights. All right. Are you casting them just over the entire campsite? Yep. All right. As you cast this, go ahead and describe uh, how you casted the spell, the flare, the effects. I uh, I, mu- I mutter some words of undercommon that I don't quite understand. Mm. As uh, the air on the ring circulates around the ivory and shoots up in a white cloud that condenses into four orbs and shoots out 20 feet aside from each other in a square above my head, sitting maybe 15 feet in the air. Okay. All right. Very nice. You see these lights rocket up, then outward, forming the perimeter that you'd commanded of them. And you can immediately hear another series of scampering, but this time, it almost seems like they're backing away. Just that... (sighs) You hear that very clearly from multiple directions. Do I see any eyes? Uh, Go ahead and make another perception check. I take it that none of this wakes us up. It's not particularly loud. 17. You know that there are three sets of eyes out there. You're just barely illuminating portions of their faces, and you have spotted them. They were attempting to come in from all sides. Forwards, to your right, the right of the alcove, and to your left, that being the opposite end of the alcove. And you can see all three of these small green humanoids. You've heard of them, but you've never seen them. With their deep sockets, you can see the glow of their red eyes. Goblins. Okay. You see smears of red paint over the foreheads of several of them. I'm gonna do two things. 
<clears throat> I'm going to first cast Armor of Agathis on myself. Good call. And that uses my spell slot for the day, which I just got back. Uh, so that's uh, how many? Five temporary points. Lovely. And then I am going to shriek as loudly as I can. <laughs> okay. I won't ask you to break the mic, yes. but if you'd like to give any sort of performance or uh, through character alert your allies, go ahead. No, it's just it's just a shrill high It's <laughs> just a siren shriek. Yes. Got it. Like you just saw a mouse. Yes. All right. Well, Mara, Skamos, you hear this immediately. It is enough to make you bolt up in a sitting position. Screaming. And you don't know why. I rush the hell out of my tent. <laughs> All right, you grab your belongings. Uh, Scamos? Okay. You, you take your second to fix yourself up, look presentable, you know. Then I crawl out. <laughs> if you're going to die, you're going to die with your hat and your boots on. Absolutely. Shit, boots! <laughs> God damn it, Scamos. Scamos half rolls out of his lean to and he's like, shit, boots! <laughs> Leans back in, you see his horns just barely poking out from the lane too, and you just see barely his boots poking out from the opposite end. That I climb out. All Amos, right. do not shit in your boots. We have company. <laughs> you, Val, are being set upon by a small band of goblins. I... Before you can make another move, one of them looses a bow towards you. You already put up armor of Agathus, so you should be good. It did take them a while to find the initiative to follow up, though. After this, it will be initiative rolls. Holy crap. That's... That hit. God damn it, not good. Uh, armor, armor of Agathus only really works if it's melee damage. Oh, I'm sorry. But the temp health... The temp health is nice. The temp health it, is nice. It, it doesn't have the weak You take... Four damage plus da 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 one. There goes my temp health. Yeah, that oh, pops immediately. <laughs> From the goblin in the center that you had kept best vision on, you couldn't see anything below his crooked fanged nose, but you hear the twang of a bow and a arrow crude at that flies straight through the underbrush stabbing straight into your sternum. And as your armor of Agatha shatters, the arrow drops harmless, harmlessly to the ground after having been caught by what was your temporary HP. Oh no. Oh no, this is bad. <laughs> Very bad. Fiddle, initiative. fiddle, fiddle, fiddle. Everyone roll initiative, please. Plus initiative. Two. Plus three. Five. Eight. Oh my. Yeah, not great. We we always shit our initiative. We might getting shot. We might be getting shot up a bit. A little bit. Thirteen. Thirteen. Okay, not so bad. Um, 
Alright, run that by me again. Who is highest? Seems to be me. 13. Alright, you're at a 13, so let's go far there. 8. I'm at a 5. Rough. <sighs> this kind of thing. Close quarters. I don't know. A whip is the best thing. Yep, that's why you're that right here. Yes. But you have two handed fighting. Or you two weapon two. fighting. I do have two weapon fighting. So you can hit goblins at range while hitting goblins at melee. <laughs> I at least want to separate them. And that is certainly what you can do. Well, they, they clearly have ranged options right now. They yeah. do. Then you currently have a ranged option. Alright, now that we have our initiative down, Mara, you're top of the board. You just saw an arrow whiz straight towards Val's chest. Normally that would have sunk into a man, but you saw it stick in the air just before blood was shed, and some sort of energy crack off of Val's chest, and the arrow drop harmlessly to the ground. And Val proceed to start shitting pants over it. Oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. <laughs> Mama right. said that would hold. It didn't hold. It didn't hold. Okay, from my tent, like, which goblins can I see? And how far are they? You're not sure. Make a quick perception check. There are lights, so they are no longer hidden. Ugh, that is an 11. You can see the one closest to you. As you were hanging off of the left of the alcove, Scamos was off to the right, and Val was more or less towards the center with her tent next to the old man. Um, you see the one furthest to the left, and it is ready to encroach through the underbrush, and you can see it ducking low, almost as if trying to retain some semblance of stealth. But currently, you see it. It has a pair of red stripes curling back over its balded head all the way past into regions unknown. Alright. So, Mara is going to approach. Alright. And in the left hand, she clutches a whip, brings it up across her body, and slams it down towards the goblin. Alright, roll your attack. That's the first one. Plus your strength bonus, plus proficiency. So that's... 12 plus 3 plus 2 plus 2. Alright, and you certainly hit. The whip cracks with a resounding thud, and you see this creature slammed right across the node drop. Roll your damage. That is. He is in pain. Okay, it's a D8, and then it's an attack bonus on top of that? Is your strength a D8? Oh no, the D8 doesn't, it's a four. Oopsies. <laughs> yeah, the, the rapier's a D8. I was, yeah. I was, <laughs> Whoopsies! I was, how big of a whip is that? That okay. would it's die your whip! So it's attack bonus plus whatever I just rolled. Oh, that's your strength. So, oh, plus my strength. It's, it's yeah. as thick around as my forearm. Okay. Yeah, so that's uh, still you a... You count your proficiency bonus to damage. Huh? That's still a six. Are you, uh, you do, nice. yeah, you add your, uh, your strength. Yeah. So, so that's just... Three plus three. Yeah. All so that's right. attack number one. That. You see it as a gout of blood splurt upwards as you lose sight of the goblin. He is likely fallen to the ground, but the crimson from the blood you snapped out of his face has painted the nearby foliage. There's a pair of spatterings to either side of where he was. With that thunderous crack, 
Do you follow it up with anything? I do follow it up. I follow into the foliage and stab down with the rapier, where I assume he is. Alright. Go ahead and make your attack roll. Oh. That's, that's rough. Plus that's five. Three plus five plus proficiency? Well, it's plus, it's plus your strength bonus plus your proficiency, which I believe is... Yeah, three... So plus five. Yeah, so that's an eight. You unfortunately miss, as you see, climbing into the underbrush and foliage, uh, this goblin is desperately clutching his face with one hand, blood still spilling out and smearing the rest of his entire muzzle, as you just see loads of sharpened, rotting teeth in what is the mouth that takes up half of this creature's face. In the other hand, clutching just against its cheek, is a dagger-held blade downwards, and it is desperately trying to get its bearings, but as you begin to stab down with the barrier, it snaps out of it, catches you in one of its good eyes, and throws its weight to the side, dodging your rapier stab. You hit him hard. You hit him very hard. (laughs) (laughs) That was painful just Just slowly turning. That wasn't any finesse. She just hit him with a rope. <laughs> yes. Half his face is gone. <laughs> she split his face. His nose it's, was just left in pieces. It's somewhere. I like her. Cake <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no>. Master's game. <laughs> I am not buying stilettos at any there. point. Oh no! We were already there. Look, we didn't have to be. <laughs> we rolled into some wholesomeness. Wholesome is my job. This guy's job is filth. For once, for once, we switch places. Yeah, this is such a twist. <laughs> what a twist! I am not doing the Shamalama Ding Dong. <laughs> I am not doing that. All right. Move it along. But now the Greenskins take the initiative. The one from the underbush that had previously fired on Val just comes straight out of the underbrush, having moved moved forward out of its cover with an arrow fully knocked. You see this crude bow barely holding the string that is about to loose yet another arrow into your chest. Alright. It fires. Like shaking holding this fucking crossbow. <laughs> uh, AC. Uh, 15. Alright. And as you see it railing back with nothing but fury in its eyes, it looses the arrow. And this sharpened twig careens off well past you. Off into the night sky. You hear chirping and then silence. I'm okay. You were perfectly okay. But whatever was <laughs> okay. behind you in the woods is probably stuck like a pig. I'm okay. <laughs> yes. The goblin just sort of frowns, begins to get frustrated. And then you see it throw the ball on the ground before it starts rummaging through a pouch in its back. The one that had just had its nose split open scrambles to its feet, barely clutching the dagger that was in its pocket. You see it reach into a pouch behind it, Mara, as it clutches a small set of stones in its offhand, covered in blood. But these stones are strange, transparent in nature, but they're glowing red. As it throws them at the ground at your feet, uh, it is going to make an attack. 
as it throws these stones, you hear it scream, For the Boom Chief! Shit. <laughs> boom Chief? Yes. For the Boom Chief. And as these stones hit the ground, you see them shatter immediately upon hitting the hard-packed ground and rocks that were there, and fire scatters in every direction. No powerful explosion, no damage to you, but the ground that you were on has just been set on fire. Oh, shit. It begins to scream as its now empty hand goes back to its split face. Where's the fire? Uh, right on Mara. Oh, no. Yes. So on your turn, that square will be on fire. The embers are spreading, the blaze is beginning, but it is not damaging you yet. I have to get out of there. Lastly, for the third one that had been encroaching on Skamos, that one leaps from the underbrush. After running a short distance, you, you hear it panting a little bit as it makes it into the clearing. Just, <laughs> just like, <laughs> dealing down, opening up the fiddle case, tuning. And where is uh, Skamos on the map? I have a figure, son. That's him? Yeah. Okay. I had assumed him closer there because the old man was about there and the ah. was about oh, there. Um, and you see, you hear that crackle of fire, that almost explosive thundering. Definitely not the whip. The whip had a little more of like a lightning, like whoosh. This was like whoosh. And so you're starting to think, what do these guys have? <laughs> and you see Wait. soon enough, as this one as well, reaches into a pouch behind it and pulls out a set of glowing rocks. Oh no. And it moves to throw them at you. And it as well screams, For the Boom Chief! Fuck your Boom Chief! <laughs> Are those cutting words? I don't have cutting words. <laughs> <laughs> you need cutting words. I can only have so many spells. AC. 14. Okay, uh, this is. Oh. Yes. Uh, initially, you don't think much of these stones as they just look like shiny rocks. You're like, ooh, free gems. And then you're like, wait, there was just a kafoon. Where did that kafoon come from? And then they land at your chest and fire spreads. Ah! <laughs> my body, my beautiful body. It's on fire. <laughs> it is on very much fire. It's a good thing you have fire resistance. I yes, he do! This is a delightful oh moment. Oh, God! In which the resistance is applied. Alright. Uh, it, throw it throws these pebbles, really. Not even full-sized rocks or gems. And as they pit against your chest, you, you, you just see fire sputter and trace off in lines across your body before dissipating. They didn't even set fire to you. Three points of fire damage. So, two or one. Uh, you take half? Yeah. Is that it? Okay. Um, we'll go ahead and round up. Yeah, we'll round up. Alright. Yeah. I will let you know. I play by the books. Fair enough. I play by the rules. As best I know them. Should you strike an enemy with an odd number? and they have resistance to that number, they will take the greater. I feel that's only fair. Yep. So moving on! More fire! You hear a few of them chanting as they begin to do a little back and forth hop on their little squidgy legs. 
They are filthy. They are covered in filth. They are disgusting, and they smell terrible. But yes, it is Scamo's turn. I'm going to reach into my coat, pull out a cigarette, just like shove it against what little embers there are on my chest. Nice try, but I'm hotter. This is mockery. (laughs) Explain it. He must make a wisdom saving throw, DC 14, or take a D4 psychic damage and have disadvantage on his next attack. Wouldn't it be hilarious if they were immune because they were too dumb to know that they should be taking damage? Oh, it applies to things even if they don't get it. Right? I could really insult rocks. <laughs> All right, you you see him almost quizzically cross eyes for a second over his nose before he just recoils in pain, almost like something had just smacked him in the forehead. <laughs> Rolled your damage. Four. Oh. <laughs> and it rings true. If you had his perspective right now, his ears were ringing. <laughs> he doesn't know why. It's just happening now. And then I'm just gonna do a little ditty. Inspiration. On me? Yeah, it's a D6. Alright, and that's usable as a bonus action? Yep! Awesome. That is what bards can do as a bonus action. I can do three more before I need to take a nap. And I'm gonna back away from this goblin. Yeah, that's probably a good call. He's looking very shanky after Uh, being so, I don't know, mentally harmed. Yeah, I'll, I'll just move to here. All right. So you retreat from the goblin something about 10 feet and uh, hide behind Val again. Why are you hiding behind me? I'm smaller than you. I mean, I'm behind a subjective. We're kind of like there and there and there. Val, it is your go. Fuck. Uh, Okay, I raise my crossbow and I fire on this one right across from me. All right, the one with the crappy bow. Yes. The one that just tried to shoot me. The only one that hasn't screamed for the Boom Chief yet. Yes. I don't want him to do that. Fair. Also, I've been wanting to use that line since I conceived the character. <laughs> and crossbow 17 oh plus 5. Oh my, that certainly hits. That's gonna do it. This poor little green fellow. Okay. Uh, okay. At least it's not a whip to the fucking face. Yeah, that was a pretty <laughs> rough way to start the combat. Just whack! It's like the opening ah! scene of Logan. He's like, oh god! Yeah. He's just, like, he just killed them all! Yeah. Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Logan in theaters three years ago. Spoiler Dude, alert, so he gets good. eaten by the Hulk. <laughs> Phrasing. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> you stop that. Bard! <laughs> Just because you can doesn't mean you should. But I will. Bards. It's not healthy. Oh, shit. Ooh. Plus three. That's... You loose the bolt in your crossbow, and you fire dead center. This goblin doesn't have the time to pull whatever he was reaching for. As soon as your bolt connects... He is sent sailing back into the foliage. Damn, girl! You hear nothing from him but the sudden... (coughs) From him certainly being implanted into something. I just stand there blinking. Did I do it? Did it? Yeah! Yeah, you got him! There is a spattering and a trail of blood at the edge of the campsite where he was standing. Uh, okay. I put away... The light crossbow, and I draw my rapier. 
Okay. Rapier party! Yeah! Finesse! <laughs> Except, Except for the strength. <laughs> your strength rapier. Go! <laughs> the penetrator. <laughs> look, look, look. look. Alright. There are straight rapiers. You can use them with straight strength. Straight rapiers? Yes, as you oppo- As opposed to the rest of the rapiers. Look, some of them are dead. bendy, okay? <laughs> <laughs> some of them don't play by your rules. Okay, so Moving on, we're I, at the top I of use, the round. I use my action oh. Um, oh. to fire the crossbow bolt. What is it to change? Uh, it's weapon? part of your movement. You can do like you can do that like once. Okay, so I did that. I did that once, and so I have my bonus action. Do I have any spells as a bonus action? No, I do not. All right. <laughs> so, I'm going to move over here. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the chess match continues. Yes. Val retreats behind the mighty Skamos. <laughs> so, close your shirt if you're going to do that. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, we're at the top of the round, Mara. All right, so I am at risk of being set on fire. Yeah, uh, yes, yes. This one from the board? So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to move adjacent to the goblin, spinning as I do, hoping that my fast footwork at least extinguishes the embers around my feet, and as I do, I wind the whip up once again and bring it crashing down. Oh the my goodness, and there's no penalty to using the whip in melee, correct? There nope, no it just has reach. That is insane. Alright, roll your attack. As you rely on your deft footwork and sheer strength, you twirl about it's him. Like 14. That might hit. That hits. Nice. Roll your Roll damage. That four. 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 Four, right. plus, four plus, plus three. three. <laughs> yeah. You twirl about almost as if in a dance, and with a mortal blow, you swing this whip down in an almost elegant fashion just before it cracks, slamming straight across this creature's shoulder and tearing into its torso. Roll dang. How, how, how do you want to do this? It is, it is absolutely dead. It's dead. Absolutely. Back with your whip. You get you like get to do badass. your Mortal Kombat fatality now. That's what, oh, that's what. This how is you an easy do. one. The rapier is already wound up behind me. It's going straight to the back of its skull. And sure enough, it already had a gash cut across its face. You cleave straight through with your rapier. Then, catching it and flicking it upwards, the skull of this creature is cut in twain. You cut his head open with a radio. Strength! Right, yes. Fuck ya, boom chief! Here's <laughs> <laughs> your other dice. You take your goblin corpse to your boom chief. The second sees this, the second that had thrown the stones at Skamos, the one who had had its brain hurt by mighty words. Sup, bitch. <laughs> it sees this. It tucks its knife as it begins to back towards the foliage, eyes darting to each and every one of you, even the old man who had remained motionless this entire time. Fuck. And it reaches into its bag again. It throws stones, not at you, but in all of your directions, oh, oh. and runs into the foliage. Can I do a thing? Uh, he is uh, going to be hiding 
after making his move. Okay. And throwing stone. Okay. So everybody go ahead and make a dexterity saving throw. Okay. Uh, plus three. Uh, There's 15. Eight. <laughs> Two saves and a hit. Mara. Two stones come sailing straight at you, <coughs> slamming into your chainmail and spreading fire. You take six points of fire damage. Half my health. The goblin Shit. has absconded. He has run into the foliage, uh, and he is going to hide. He is retreating. That's fair. I definitely can't see him. Uh, you can definitely hear him, though. Oh, perfect. He, he is panting and kind of screaming a little. Is He's it? in a bit of a panicked frenzy, but is he is he is booking it. How far away is he? Uh, from you, yeah. he is already past 30 feet. Awesome. He can still hear me at this range. I cast Dissonant Whispers, dragging the bow across my fiddle in this horrendous screech that only he can hear. So you don't need to be able to see him. I he just, just needs need to be able to hear you. He needs to be in range, able to hear me, and I imagine I have to be conscious of his existence. And you're certainly conscious of his ex- existence. I am going to make you... Uh, show me... You, ha- you have the card, yes? Yep. All right. Go ahead and show me the card just so that I'm not botching any rulings on this. Yeah. Well, it... <sighs> Let me see if I can even hear you. It doesn't have great senses. Uh, well, the range is is 60 feet, so... Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Uh, you hear silence. No more screaming. <laughs> well, I don't... I don't know if it worked. Did it make it just wisdom saving throw, or can it not hear my spell? It doesn't matter what you roll. Dead. You hear silence. Hmm. Look for the corpse. The spell doesn't tell you if it's dead. Fair enough. Put the fiddle back in its case. It might be dead. It might not be dead. You mean might be dead? Chest just spreading over my mouth. She has a fairly, like, noticeable sear mark in her armor. Pop it back open. How long does the inspiration last? Ten minutes. Hey, same as the, um... Eleven health. Eleven health. <clears throat> yep. Skamo simply whips the fiddle back out and plays a very quick but charming tune, and your wounds start to close. Okay. And for the audience, what was that? Cure wounds. Thank you. <sighs> we just need to cover systems every now and then. Of course, but that's all my spell slots. <laughs> not everyone who listens to D and D podcast knows what the system is. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Not well, everyone who listens plays. Mara takes a look at her formerly scorched chest and in astonishment and slight begrudgement just mutters, thank you. Of course. The wounds are sealed. There is very little to no scarring. Uh, you definitely felt like you had some of your blood boil and you feel a little lightness in the area in which you were struck. Yeah, whatever that spell did to fix you. It didn't replace the blood. No. But you feel a hell of a lot better than you did. 
He's uh, just gonna grin and look for the corpse. Why don't you head off in the direction that it uh, had I run off to? I start stamping out the fire. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No. I you, climb you, back you to my tent quickly. and go to bed. It's Camos is a creature of habit. He sleeps. All right. Uh, you find the body soon enough. It was leaving a bit of a trail. It certainly wasn't trying to mask its efforts well enough. It had certainly hidden, but that had only worked due to the intense foliage surrounding it. Does it have anything on its person? Uh, as you come up to it, you can see the body face down, having left quite the skid mark in the fresh mud. Um, it had a crude dagger bent back on itself. Uh, a very simple construction. It was stone with several pieces of wood wrapped around it to make some really crude handle. Um, it had a singular loincloth to which it had a, another pouch tied towards the back. Uh, beyond that, this creature is covered in mud, dirt, and the oils of its own filth. Can I poke the pouch with my rapier open? Absolutely. This pouch is made of very simple, worn-out cloth. If you'd like, you could simply slice it open from where you are. I'll do that. I don't want to touch the mud. All right. As you do so, you see the glittering remnants of shards of those red stones. It seems to have expended its inventory of those. But these slivers and shards carry the same notable features. Uh, primarily transparent, but glowing red. I'm picking up a handful. Alright, you only really get one decent-sized shard that's presentable. The rest of them are a little difficult to pick up. They're honestly close to being dust. Um, so you pick up your singular shard. You are aware of the nature of these. Upon any great physical contact, they will erupt. At the very least, that is what you understand, having had them thrown at you twice. They're the little sidewalk poppers, <laughs> but they burst into flames. Yes. Steal all of them. I am pocketing this one for sure. Mm -hmm. If the others I can't pick up, I'm keeping this um, one. Do you have any loose uh, linens, cloths, leathers to wrap it in? Uh, yeah, I have a pouch. That's about it. All right. You go ahead and empty that up, wrap it. Uh, I assume you head back to the camp? Yes. As you do so, you see Val still stomping out the last embers of the fires. Um, were you stomping out the campfire as well? No, just this one. Okay. It doesn't spread, fortunately, yeah. because there is quite a large thicket surrounding this campfire, and that could have been a pretty bad situation. Mm -hmm. But you stop it before anything comes of it. Yeah. Skamos, you see, is already retreated back to his tent. Um... <laughs> Whiskey dog. Ah, I see. And the night has taken a strange turn. You were warned of bandits. You were warned of unusual sightings. But even Mara had never really tangled with goblins. They were known to inhabit the regions, but they were never so outwardly hostile as to attract attention. You had heard of disappearances in the past, and you had assumed that those were due to lone travels being beset and kidnapped by goblins. But they're typically very 
timid creatures, if vicious. Crafty bastards are getting bold. For them to have not only a tool, as it is very obvious that they all had tools, but for them to attack a group at a known campsite? That is bold for their kind. This is certainly one of the troubles that Lord Werner was warning of. As you are all left to ruminate on your thoughts of this matter, I believe we close the session. Yes, this is unfortunately all the time we have. Thank you guys so much for joining us. So we close the night with Val and Mara considering how to approach this newfound problem. While Skamos dreams wistfully in his sleep, the old man remains silent. Next time on Campfires and Escalations. Frieza defeated. <laughs> <laughs> it is there! It is there! <laughs>